What's up, everyone? MTG Goldfish crew here with you again. Another week of the MTG Goldfish podcast. Chaz is here with you as always, accompanied by Seth. What's up, Seth? What's up, guys? What is up, Richard? How's it going? Hey, everyone. What's going on? It's going okay. Episode 68, the docket for today. We are going to talk about uh, some of the recent uh, SCG... Or no, GP New York, which was barely covered, but we're going to try and talk about it anyway, at least the deck lists, the evolution of uh, the aristocrats list, some of the collected company lists uh, should be interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about coverage as well. Uh, Seth uh, has a very good rant for us that we all <laughs> decided that we wanted to chime in on uh, about coverage and just magic uh, coverage in general and how that can play into some of the things that we've talked about in the uh, prior weeks in previous casts. Uh, we also have a few fish mail to address. So let's just dive right in. Um, actually, let's start with the coverage because this is fresh on uh, your mindset. So I wanted you to at least uh, talk about it, get it all out of your system, and then we can kind of dissect it and go from there. So uh, what's your really big gripe about coverage? Because uh, like you, I think a lot of other people were perplexed that a uh, huge GP, you know, GP in New York did not essentially didn't get any coverage, very little. And, and now we're not going to be getting any coverage in Charlotte. So, yeah, take it away, Seth. All right. Well, let me preface this by saying I'm thankful that Channel Fireball covered the top eight and did do a little bit of coverage. Like, this isn't a Channel Fireball rant. The Wizards decided not to cover this GP. So Channel Fireball went out of their way on their own dime to provide as much coverage as they did. So I'm not mad at Channel Fireball. I want to make sure that's perfectly clear. Because when I was talking about this on Twitter, I think at first some people misinterpreted this as me being upset at Channel Fireball. This is a Wizards issue. And essentially we had a GP in a very cool and still developing standard format in the biggest city in the country. And apparently wizards didn't think it was worth their time to provide coverage of it. And then to make matters worse in two weekends, we have GP Charlotte, the run by star city games, which is when they host a modern GP, it's usually the biggest GP of the year. It is in the modern format. That is the first GP since we've had this new ban and restricted announcement and there's no coverage of that either. Actually, there are 15 GPs between this past weekend and the next Pro Tour, the beginning of our, uh, August, and only two of those are getting video coverage, according to Wizards of the Coast, and at least one of those is in Australia, so it's going to be at a really wacky time for anyone in the U.S. So I guess my problem is I, I maybe I'm just wrong here, but I'm used to expecting magic coverage on the weekends. It's something I look forward to. And my expectation is when there's a GP, when there's a big event, I can tune in and uh, get coverage of it. But I guess that expectation is slowly being crushed by wizards because it seems like more often than not, there's no coverage. And it just seems like such a huge contradiction with the goal of being an esport, which Wizards, we've talked about that before and whether or not it's practical, but Wizards has been throwing that terminology around and they have been throwing around uh, ideas about getting better at coverage and how that's one of their goals and its coverage is going to be awesome. And they are doing the exact opposite. The way you get better at something isn't by not doing it anymore. And the way you become an esport isn't by not covering your biggest tournaments in the biggest cities in the world. So, 
I I just don't understand what's going on, and everything seems like such a huge contradiction, and and I don't know what to make of it. It almost feels like Wizards has just given up on coverage, while at the same time saying we're going to make coverage better and be an esport. Hmm. That was quite the rant. Uh, Richard, did you want to chime in on this? Because uh, I I do as well. Yeah, I. I hate to be, this is like a third <laughs> podcast where we talk about coverage and like esports and blah, 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 but like, it's Grand Prix New York. I understand if it's Grand Prix middle of nowhere, they may want to skip it, right? But it's actually the exact opposite, I feel. Like, whenever it's a big city, everything's more expensive and everyone tries to like dodge it. You know, Grand Prix New York is not even in New York, it's in New Jersey, right? But like, just, just cover it. It's like your marquee city in the U.S. I expect it to be, you know, showed, right? Like, I expect to see Wizards coverage. I expect to see the Eiffel Tower somewhere in there. You know, like, I used to live in Seattle. And whenever there's Sunday night football, they always show freaking Pike Place Market people throwing fish to, <laughs> to say, like, oh, look how Seattle it is. Here's the... <laughs> You know, here's the Space Needle, and they always play, like, Nirvana or something during the in and outs. <laughs> they should do the same thing with Wizards. They should make it hype. Hey, wi- Magic is coming to a city near you. Here we are in New York. Look at everyone playing. It's so awesome, right? Guess what? We're coming to your neighborhood in two weeks. Go check it out, right? Sign up. Get involved in FNM. Work your way up to the Pro Tour. Like, they're not, they're not showcasing this, right? So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what Wizards is doing. I thought we were going to get better coverage. Uh, with less, like their idea was less GPs in number, but then better coverage for the ones we do get coverage of. But we haven't seen that, right? We've just seen less coverage, and like that's it, right? And I think Wizards should actually foot the bill for this. Like it's it's too early to allow, you know, Star City Games and Channel Fireball to kind of do it on their own. Like it's they're already running the event; it's hard enough. So I think Wizards should just throw in the production crew. Uh, have a consistent look, right? It's really weird when you watch, like, European Grand Prix and, like, the overlays and stuff are all different. So they should, like, unify the look. But they should definitely have coverage. And for Channel Fireball, it's really weird that they only did the top eight. Like, why would you just do the last part of it? You already have everyone there. You already have all the equipment. Why not just do all the rounds? It's 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 just really weird. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. I give up. I <laughs> um yeah i i was actually really surprised i actually didn't know uh at the start of the tournament that they wouldn't be covering the gp until uh like round i don't know 10 what was it seth like until you actually tweeted it out and i was like wait what wait that makes no sense yeah, they, they said round 14, but they may have started slightly earlier. I'm not yeah. sure exactly when they started, but that was their published start time was round 14. Yeah, so basically the end of the tournament. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, you're right. I mean, it's GP New York. It was the you know origins of the Magic Pro Tour. It was like the very first city that the Pro Tour started back when uh, Brian David Marshall was running Grey Matter you know, conventions and setting up, uh, you know, in-house, like, in the city, uh, these tournaments and new grounds and stuff like that. So it, it was very reminiscent of, like, where Magic started and a very popular scene and a very popular uh, geographic of where Magic, you know, there's a lot of 
magic in like the New England area in New York. So you're right. I mean, it's a downer because the last few weeks we've been talking about magic and as an esport and and coverage. I mean, we're going to get into coverage more in a second. Um, but just in general, it's like how do you not allocate time to to cover this and, and to have like a stellar coverage team. I mean, I queued in. I mean, Reed Duke was amazing, and we'll talk about that more in one second. But I mean, I look at the the cast, like there's not really a really great overlay, and this is something that we talked about last week. Like I, I, I tuned in, maybe it was just this one round, but like the camera was like it was like I set up like an iPad and was trying to record my like live games and it was like i don't know that was like the quality and i i couldn't even see like half the board i was like what is this i it was like a weird like fisheye view of the board and i had no idea what was going on i'm like if i have no idea what's going on how do you expect people who are trying to get into the game know what's going on and i played the game for like half my life so I don't know. It was just a, a very big blunder. I, I don't know really what else to say other than that. Um, to touch on to what we were going to get into about the coverage, I think Reed Duke was amazing. Uh, it's unfortunate because I know you were just going to talk about set that you'd love to see LSV, Reed Duke, like all these higher end pros basically get stuck in the booth like the entire time. And while <laughs> that would be awesome for us, I don't think they really want to be doing that. But Maybe that's actually something that can happen uh, as a part of this new packaging on how to compensate the pros. Maybe that's something that they can, like like SCG, basically pays Cedric Phillips and you know uh, Patrick Sullivan and all them. I don't know how exactly that's set up, but to go on tour essentially and cover every single you know event you know, from the pro tours perspective, I think yeah. that would be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think seeing Reed Duke in the booth for, I think the first time, I don't remember seeing him on coverage and hearing him just do such an amazing job. Like his, his commentary was just spot on. It was enlightening to me as someone that's been plays a lot of magic and has been playing for a while, but it was done in a way that I think a new player would also understand what he was saying. It's exactly what we need in coverage. And it got me thinking about how we have some really awesome coverage people in the magic community, like LSV, Reed Duke, Ian Duke, the SCG team is the cream of the crop. Like Cedric Phillip and Patrick Sullivan are amazing. But for some reason, when we turn tune into the premier events, pro tours, uh, the big GPs, we get this weird scattered coverage team. And I don't mean any offense to everyone. I think I like a lot of the people that currently do the coverage, but I wouldn't consider them the best possible coverage team that you could be putting out for a pro tour or a GP. Like I appreciate a lot of these people's contributions to the community and enjoy them personally. But for me, I would tune into SCG events that I didn't really care about just because Cedric and Patrick Sullivan were so good on coverage. And I don't get that with the official Wizards coverage. It, it seems scattered and not thought out. And some of the 
some of the choices of who they team up in the booth together and having Brian David Marshall running around on the floor with some mic that makes it sound like he's about to keel over, even though he's really not because of, like just the whole thing is so bad. And I've heard arguments like, oh, you just can't do it that well. But SDG does it like 10 times better than Wizards. And I just I don't get it if I, I just none of it makes sense to me anymore. Like, I don't understand it seems so simple because if SDG can do it with a fraction of the budget of wizards, as far as how much money their parent company makes, you would think that wizards of the coast would be able to do it as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I mean, we've talked about this uh, countless times. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, it's, it's frustrating because we really want, that's like, we talked about the last few weeks, uh, magic kind of getting over that, that wall i mean i I think there's always just going to be a wall that's there to to get into that final like upper echelon tier of an esport and what that fundamentally means but i mean we we need to take the preliminary steps i mean i don't even feel like we're doing that much i mean coverage needs to be top notch i mean when you look at i mean even i don't know if anyone follows it i'll just take this as an example i mean if you looked at heroes of the storm and they're their new like kind of heroes of the dorm thing where they pay out like I don't know like tuition to these kids in in college and this is a f- relatively new game in comparison to Dota 2 League of Legends and they already have like top notch coverage with like paid casters and and all that I mean I just I mean I understand that's Blizzard and they have the money to do that but I I feel like Wizards has the money to do that too I mean and- they they should be investing in themselves and I, I don't feel like we're even taking like the preliminary steps to get to where we need to be. And and part of it is I just wonder if they're uh, they're doing that to some extent, but not doing it with the right people and in the w- right way. Right, like they, right. They are flying casters across the country yes. and across the world to cover pro tours. But why are you flying in the specific casters uh that you're choosing like what's the what's the criteria for right right. you are having broadcast your premier event like kibler gets flown across the country to do hearthstone events like why couldn't we have a kibler or literal kibler (laughs) fly across the world and do a magic pro tour like or i mean i understand you can't pull lsv and the tweet i made was halfway joking like i don't (laughs) really root against reduke and lsv i want to see them do well but there are Redukes and LSVs that aren't playing at Pro Tours and also aren't doing coverage, and people that are begging Wizards to let them do coverage for free. We will come. Ruben Bressler is one of them. We, I will fly across the country and cover events that you don't want to cover for free, and for some reason that's not happening. Like So there are people that can do this, but Wizards yeah. just isn't making it happen. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I totally agree with you. And and this is what we talked about precast. It's like not only do you need uh, pe- like specific people and why they're choosing specific people, you also have to have like we, – we talked about this, like uh, Marshall Sutcliffe. Maybe he's better for the limited event and maybe he doesn't pair up very well with another specific person when they're talking about standard. Like maybe they, – they also need like the chemistry as well. Like they need to take – a page out of SEG where not only was they, they picked Cedric Phillips and uh, and Patrick Sullivan, and over time, like it's going to take a little bit of time, but they now have this amazing chemistry where it's almost like 
you can't have anyone but those two because when they're together, it's just such great coverage because they're knowledgeable and the fact that they just had this great chemistry together. And and chemistry is something that develops. And if you watch right. a a pro tour, it feels almost like they have a group of 10 people and then they flip a coin before the round to see which two or three of them is going to go broadcast the round. Like, it just doesn't seem thought out. It's like, oh, this round, it's Marshall and Gabby. The yeah. next round, it's LSV and BDM. And the next round, it's this person and this person. Like, some of the people are very good, but they it feels like they aren't thinking through the best way to maximize the talent that they do have. And it just seems yeah. so scattered and not thought out. I, I mean, I agree with you. I and and we see SAG starting to do this uh, as well. Like when they had when uh, Patrick Sullivan couldn't come uh, to as many events, they started making other individual two people teams that are now that like specific. You know, they they put those specific people together like all the time to build that chemistry, and I think it's working to to what you said, Seth, because they don't just like flip a coin. It's like oh, Patrick, uh, uh, Cedric Phillips, and this you know this person. Then next week it's you know, these two and whatever else. It's like they try to keep people together as long yeah. as they can, right? And and I understand at a pro tour, you probably need multiple teams and you can't yes. just have the same two persons sit in the booth for three straight days and do all of it. But you can have constant pairings. Like, oh, maybe these two people work well together. They're covering rounds one, three, five, seven, you know, and yes. have another yes. pairing for two, yes, four, exactly. six, eight, instead of just having it be random. Like, I... Who is running? Like, who is thinking this stuff through? Like, it seems like they would sit down before the pro tour and, like, plan all this stuff out in a logical way. But that doesn't come across in the coverage. Yeah. And if they are sitting down and planning it out, it it, it isn't as efficient and as good as it could be. Because it comes across like it's not planned out. If I'd almost be more disappointed if there's someone is planning it out and this is a finished product. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And... and I know it's annoying to keep talking about this to some people, like, but this is what is needed. Like, we, we're talking about all the things that we've talked about in the past few weeks. This is the, the like, very preliminary stuff that just gets you the recognition that everyone, uh, you know, including Helen and all these people, when they were thinking about doing, again, that going back to the pay of the pros thing and how they reverted that, but... There is going to be something else coming in the pipeline, and this is just part of a small part that needs to be executed well every time to get that recognition. And, you know, and, th- yeah, go ahead. And these are easy things. Exactly, I'm not asking exactly. for for Wizards to suddenly be the number one esport or anything like that. Oh. Do you remember like a couple years ago what coverage looked like on SCG, where it was just kind of people in T-shirts yeah. and and then. They they made some very small changes that made their coverage much more professional. Like everyone's gonna wear a suit jacket and a tie. Like yep. that that takes nothing. You don't have to hire yeah. new people. You don't have to do anything. All you do is put on a suit jacket, and that yep. improved the coverage. So those are the type of things I'm looking for. I understand that making magic coverage awesome and being able to see the cards on the battlefield and some of those type of problems are going to be there. And those are big things that are going to take a long time to fix, but you can make consistent pairings of casters like today for the next GP and have that going forward. Like those are little changes that you can do right now that will drastically improve coverage. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I mean, and again, this is just like the bare minimum, you know, we're not even getting into 
everything else. I mean, I, and yeah, I think it's a travesty that you don't you, you mean you cover GP New York at the very end. Like, what was that all about? I don't know. I just I don't know. I question those kind of uh, decisions because I really would have liked to to watch because I mean I didn't get to go, so I would have liked to watch. So, but I mean it is what it is. I guess I I don't know. Like maybe this is just the very last remnants of. I don't know, some kind of restructuring and how we go, hopefully in a, in a better, you know, direction. I mean, again, like you said, said, this is just, these are easy changes. This is like very basic stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems so basic and simple that it's kind of disappointing that we even got to talk about it. You think you, if you were putting on that, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I just, I don't, I don't get how this couldn't be happening already. Like yeah. you're a huge company trying to make yourself an esport, and these are very little things. It's like I don't even know. I don't know. It just comes across as unprofessional. I don't right. know. Yeah, what no, it does. And and you have to think if if we're talking about it, <laughs> you know, a lot of other people are probably questioning it and talking about it as well. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, Richard? yeah, Richard, why don't you chime in here? Uh, basically agree with you guys. I, I think, I think the problem is we're looking for magic players and then just throwing them into the broadcast booth. I yeah. think they need to actually find professional broadcasters, pay them. Like I'm almost positive the people that do broadcasting, they do it on the side. So they have their day job nine to five the entire week. And on the weekend, they fly to some random GP exhausted and then do coverage for two days and then go home back to their day job. And that shows sometimes like it's gotten better remember a couple of years ago people didn't even know what cards were being played or what they were doing because <laughs> they weren't up to date on the new format and it's partially because it's not their full-time job right like they throughout the week they should be practicing they should be building chemistry they should be researching the formats and whatever and you know they shouldn't have to be doing two jobs at once which is basically what everyone is doing right so i think the answer is just straight up hire reed duke right like Hey, congratulations. You're our full-time caster now, right? We'll pay you a legitimate salary. We'll fly you around and your full-time job is to do commentary, right? And they've already kind of done this. They've poached from the pro community. A lot of the magic players have become designers, you know, like, uh, Jackie Lee or Detora. Like they've kind of just poached random people. They've disappeared from the scene, but they worked at, at Watsy. So why not do the same thing for casters, right? For, right. For the, the in-depth knowledge caster, right? But for the color commentary person, I would say get someone who's trained in, like, actual broadcasting. You know, like, you don't turn into the Super, tune into the Super Bowl and see someone, you know, out of college, first time trying to broadcast, right? It's like someone who's seasoned and been there, you know, they've built a reputation and, you know, like you guys said, they've had a constant pairing. There's usually a partner and that partner's been with them for the past like 10 years or something. So I, I think you got to get to that level of professionalism if you want the results. So basically I agree with you guys, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what Wizards is doing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just make it watchable. Like I, I want to get hype for magic. I want to on the weekend, kick back, turn on Twitch, I guess, and, you know, see some high level magic play without, you know, going to Reddit and typing angry things about coverage. And it's just, oh my God. Every, like, it just derails the conversation every time. Right? We're not talking about the cool standard. 
It's still evolving. People don't know what's up. There's so many innovations still. We're only yeah. a couple of weeks removed from the Pro Tour, and it's like where no one's talking about standard anymore. They're they're kind of moving on to the next thing already. But that shouldn't be the case, right? Like the lack of coverage shouldn't happen this early. You know, if you want to turn down the coverage, turn it down towards the end of standard, not like a couple of weeks in, right? This is when you're be, you should be selling your shadows over Innistrad packs, right? So yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So. I have a question for you before we move on. Someone, I don't know if it was on Reddit or on my Twitter, suggested that doing coverage isn't profitable for Wizards, and they don't want to do it anymore. But they know if they just were like, all right, guys, we're not doing coverage anymore, everyone would freak out like the pay the pros thing. So instead, they're trying to just progressively make coverage worse and worse and less and less until we all are so used to it not being on every weekend and so disappointed with it. That when they finally say, all right, we're not doing GP coverage anymore, everyone will be okay with it. Is there any chance that this is part of what's happening? Possibly, but, oh my god, that'd be so short. Like, Wizards doesn't advertise magic in any other medium. Or at least I haven't seen it. You don't open up, like, a magazine and see a Magic the Gathering ad anymore, right? The advertising is the Pro Tour. They are the Grand Prix. So are you telling me, like, Wizards has, like, zero marketing budget? for magic now i mean like i could understand if they cut coverage and started playing commercials or something but like why would you you know like that doesn't seem as practical like i don't even see twitch ads like i see nothing like I, actually you know what i see is i see hearthstone ads on magic streams <laughs> i was just gonna say that i can't like, get over I, <laughs> I log into a magic site and the first ad that pops up is hearthstone that happens yeah, pretty regularly to me it does i mean it's it's crazy. I I don't even know. I mean, a ban an, an, an internet banner. I mean, I how much could that? But I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why they hired a new president. It's it, it, it. But yeah, I mean, they're literally where where's the TV ads? Where's like that old school TV ad from like I don't know what was it for like Visions or something like that? And they had like some some wacky. Like low budget, <laughs> like TV commercial. Yeah, like I don't know if they should do that. That 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 that, that would be weird, right? But <laughs> they should be. be their their all their marketing budget should be the Pro Tour budget, right? It should be the Grand Prix. They should be poaching Hearthstone players, like you said, right? When I when I tune into Twitch, and I'm watching Brian Kibler play Hearthstone, there should be some ad saying, "Look, we're Hearthstone. We're the original Hearthstone, and we're way better." Right, come watch the Pro Tour. It's live, where you can watch, you know, where Brian Kibler got his fame. Right, you know, you yeah. can watch blah blah blah. Right, I don't know. We we should be poaching from Hearthstone at this point. You yeah. know, initially Hearthstone poached from Magic players, but now the roles right. are reversed. Well, right? <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty big marketing from Hearthstone. They're already a few years. I mean, I remember when Hearthstone wasn't even out yet, and it was like in the beta. I mean, I literally couldn't check any site or any kind of you know game related stuff without seeing hearthstone i mean go to goldfish the ads are hearthstone right <laughs> blizzards is paying <laughs> yeah. to show up to the magic players what a cool game hearthstone is right join now get free packs whispers of the old gods blah 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 right it's all over the place here's your free like cthune yeah i have, imagine I have a- like imagine like magic like here buy like you know shadows over innistrad get a free avison <laughs> you know like i don't know Oh, man. I think, is there any chance of what happened? Do you remember? I don't remember what the event was, but they build that, like, 
giant tentacled Eldrazi thing, yeah. like crawling up the side of a building. Do you think they just like blew their entire marketing budget <laughs> for like a year to build that thing for hundreds of thousands of dollars? And now they had to cut back on coverage and try to stop paying the pros to uh, <laughs> maybe to make up for uh, for that. But what kind like is that even good advertising? Like, I have no idea. I mean, it was really uh, awesome. It was cool. It was, I mean, I know wizard. Uh, other other gaming like big gaming you know uh studios do that like uh you know blizzard will put out these giant like 15 foot like statues like in the street you know in front of like blizzcon or something like that i don't know yeah all right oh i don't know what to think anymore i just know that i uh, apparently will not have magic to watch on the weekends for the next two months (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh yeah i don't i don't know all right, Seth. You can fire up the stream. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Bring your bring your iPhone to the convention center and uh, live stream it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yep. That could work. Yeah. I mean, it probably would. Yeah. It was it was bad. Like people are asking me. I think on Twitter for like Sam Black's deck, and we're like, I don't know. <laughs> There's no, no coverage. Idea. We we can't wait until round fifteen when the article comes out. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, getting out of that, I think we kind of talked about everything we want to talk about. So let's touch on standard. So there, a GP did happen in New York. Like that did happen there, even though there was no coverage, it still happened nonetheless. And one happened in Tokyo. So is there anything that stands out to either of you from either of the, uh, events? I know Richard, you talked about, um, you know, we are a couple weeks and I think that was a great point. We are a couple weeks out of. The Pro Tour, and that's kind of why coverage was so is so necessary right now. But you also said that the the metagame is still evolving. Like we're still seeing new stuff. Like even after the Pro Tour, I mean, there's a ton of green white tokens now, but there's still some great innovation, even like within some of the decks that we were seeing before. So, is there anything that stands out from GP New York or Tokyo that uh, you specifically wanted to make a point on? Uh, I'll start with you, Seth. Uh, well, the thing that jumps out right away is white green tokens is looks like it's still the deck to be like that showed up a lot all over the place and it's very good. Uh, another thing that jumped out was the four color company, I guess we're calling it, but the, the cryptolith rights combo deck actually put up a very good performance and looked pretty strong. And while it didn't really get the top eight finishes, there was a lot of Grixis control, which was a very fringe deck at the pro tour. There was like one player playing it that did well. I, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but this deck actually showed up a lot in the top 32 and apparently is the best control deck moving forward. Like Esper super friends didn't really show up other Esper control decks. It looks like Grixis is a control deck moving forward at this point. Yeah. Uh, the, the one in the top eight was, uh, Ralph, uh, Batesh. Thank I you. I think that's his name. <laughs> I, 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 sorry if I butchered it, but yeah, I mean, Still, Goblin Dark Dwellers, uh, Dragon Lord uh, Silumgar, Jace, I mean, K- Kalidas, and a bunch of removal, I, I guess, is pretty good. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that, that four-color right or four-color collected, uh, collected company right, I guess we're calling it now, uh, is very interesting. And, I mean, it could really start off with some, some crazy explosive plays and, and then finish it off with brood monitor and the displacer combo yeah i really like that 
this is a standard where a lot of games end up getting bogged down on the board. You yes. play these like human and bant company mirror matches and it's just tons of creatures green white tokens just staring each other down and having that infinite combo gives the five color rights deck or four color rights deck a trump in those situations like even if you can't get through eventually you're gonna combo off with brood monitor cutthroat and eldrazi displacer and win the game even if you can't attack through a million random tokens and collected company creatures and all that stuff yeah yeah there were also uh two other grixis control just to Go off what you said in the in the Tokyo uh, top eight, um, and they're all essentially like one or two cards, you know, different from each other, all playing the, essentially the same cards, and both piloted by oh man, uh, Kazu Shige Suzuki. Uh, so sorry if I messed your name up, and uh, what was the other one? Kinsuke Kato. So. The the other interesting one from Tokyo is the the deck that won the tournament Naya Midrange. It's basically yeah, I mean, just that's... a Naya good stuff midrange deck, yeah. and it fought its way through. It's got three Nahiris, got a couple Chandras, Dragonlord Atarkas, Avacyn's Tireless Trackers. It's just basically all the best and most efficient creatures in those colors, and apparently yeah. it's pretty good. So uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool. That might be the the Jund of the new format. That's what it reminds me of. Just play all the best stuff in those colors and hope that that's enough to, uh, to win. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is very strong. You have access to a lot of really good cards in those colors. I mean, how can you go wrong with Avacyn, Stasis, Snare, Silkrat? Uh, you have Oath of Nyssa, Tyler's Tracker, Sylvan Advocate. You have Nahiri, which, uh, we did have, like, we asked, like, uh, we discussed that the f- we wanted to touch on finance stuff. So I guess we'll touch on that in a little bit. But Nahiri is up big uh, from over the last few weeks that we talked. Uh, actually ends up being the most coveted Planeswalker from the set. So what? go figure. We both <laughs> are kind of lukewarm on the card. And what happens, uh, what always happens is <laughs> <laughs> we end up miscalling it. But, I mean, that's to be expected from a, a Planeswalker that's very hard to judge. So... I think that's like the metric I'm going to use going forward. If it's a hard planeswalker to judge, it's probably good. And so, <laughs> and in our defense, I didn't see too many people shouting about how awesome Nahiri was during spoiler season. Right. So yeah, they were kind of lukewarm as well. Yeah, everyone was pretty lukewarm. But now apparently, uh, Joel Asset's playing her in Legacy Miracles. Uh, people are playing yeah. her in Modern. Ugland was playing Cord. it. Uh, yeah, Kiki Cord. Yeah, and I think. To, to be fair, I, I think that has more to do with it than how well it's doing in standard. So, yeah. I, I think that's really what the... And I think we made a point to say that, too, is if this is just a standard walker, we're likely looking at the, like an 8 to $10 walker, and we kind of really didn't know about you know anything outside of standard. So that that's to our defense. Not to say that you know we still didn't see it coming, but we, I don't think anybody did. What but, about Sam Black's deck? Remember when Seth said, just get every green mythic? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uvenwald Hydra has shown up, boys. Yeah. <laughs> the Great Aurora has shown up. So it's basically a tweaking of Finkel's Seasons Past deck. There's also yeah. a Saltai Seasons Past uh, at Tokyo. So the decks are still evolving. And, you know, you guys just talked about Cryptolith Rights, how we just added a bunch of colors and basically reflector mage and displacer so the decks are still evolving and the metagame is still shifting which is 
kind of sad that we don't have coverage for this. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, yeah, because this, it's really this should awesome. be a pretty hype thing, right? Like Uvenwald Hydra. Finally, the terrible green mythic has made it. <laughs> we we have done it, but it gets no time in the spotlight. I I love that in his deck. I'm trying to count to get the exact number, but I'm pretty sure he can seasons past and get back like nine cards. Maybe I think he has <laughs> nine different converted mana costs in the deck. Uh, so that seems good. Seasons past draw nine. Also, yeah. I know you're a fan of these cards, Chaz, but the two creatures that are actually four ofs, Sylvan Advocate and Tireless Tracker. So it seems like uh, your support of those cards is paying off because those are the cards that seem to be the foundation of a lot of green X decks in standard these days. Yeah, I mean, they just... Actually, Sam Black touched on that uh, about w- when they were doing the coverage of the the actual deck, the Aurora Control deck, and he was saying that you know, a lot of people were talking about. I mean, Tireless Tracker in specific. Uh, Sylvan Advocate is basically just good in any any deck playing green, essentially. But uh, a lot of people were talking about Tireless Tracker in like usually like these mid range shells, uh, mostly for the most part. I know some of these white green humans lists are starting to pop up now that play Tireless Tracker as well. So you see an aggressive list. But he said, I mean, really where it shines, in his opinion, is. Uh, it, it works really well even in a control list too because it's essentially a late game threat that draws you cards. So I really didn't think of it like that. Uh, it's sort of like a blue card in that regard where you're playing like a finisher in green that can grow larger so it, it, it can finish off a game and also draw you cards at the same time uh, basically just by playing magic. So yeah, I mean I, it's great to see these uh, seasons pass lists like evolve the way they are i mean going down to one season's pass is kind of i guess tricky uh i don't know how that works if like you it gets countered or something like that um i don't know how you would really get it back i guess den protector but yeah i mean it's really really great i mean the great aurora who would ever have thought that card was going to get played but yeah, I mean, I echo your sentiment, Richard. It seems like we need the coverage now more than ever because, I mean, even if you just look at, like, the 5-0 uh, league uh, results on the website, I mean, you still see some really interesting stuff. I mean, it's it's not just what what the top eight of, you know, these GPs are a really good outlier, but, I mean, there's still some really interesting decks that are showing up in 5-0 with some of these... Uh, Super IQs, like even Jun Seasons Pass, I'm looking at recent uh, finishes on SCG. Um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Really awesome. But, I mean, there's still two cards, Seth. I mean, I, now that we're talking about standard, there's still a few cards from Shadows that we just haven't seen yet. Mainly, now we're down to... I mean, we've seen Nahiri, we've seen like essentially everything else, so we're down to, for the most part, Jace... Uh, Olivia, Arlen, Relentless Dead, and what, like, Katrog Monster from, like, out of the Mythics that are, like, decent enough? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've I seen guess. some Katrog. I mean, we've seen a little bit of everything, but those are, like, very, uh, those are usually omitted, and we haven't seen a ton of those. No, there. I mean, out of the mythics, there aren't really that many that see play. So I guess that's not surprising, but I don't know. It's a little disappointing. 
Yeah. But, I mean, there's still a lot – they still have a long life in standard. So I, I don't think we won't see I, – I mean, it'll be – it would be pretty surprising if we never saw them uh, and, being built around. And I think right now the cards that are seeing play are cards that are uh, just generically powerful, like Avacyn. Right. A lot yep. of the mythics that aren't seeing play – could really benefit from future sets, uh, more delirium, more tribal synergies. So I think that might be part of the reason the the ones that are seeing play are seeing play and the ones that aren't aren't is just because uh, we might just have to wait a little while longer for things like Olivia and Restless Dead to really break out once they get more uh, more support for their tribes and mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's usually what happens uh, when we talk about uh, those types of cards. I mean, they just need a little bit more of uh, a help, you know, with the card pool around them. The other stuff, like you said, is just already inherently powerful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm really, really excited about this standard. Uh, it's definitely nowhere near the doom and gloom uh, that we were talking about like a few weeks ago. So that's that's good. So at least we got well away from, you know, a hundred percent. Collected company standard. Yeah, I mean the standard formatted is actually very good, and I've heard a lot of like good reviews from regular players and from the pros. So it seems like Wizards did hit the mark with this standard, especially coming off of uh, the end of last standard with the whole fetch land for battle land disaster. So it seems like everyone is really enjoying this standard, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, Richard, do you have anything to chime in? Because I think that kind of wraps up what we talk, wanted to talk about for standard and we had a few fish mail to address. So, yep. Let's move on to fish mail. Uh, so remember, uh, tweet at MDG goldfish, hashtag MDG fish mail for your questions. You can also leave them in the article, send an email, send via Facebook, but Twitter is the easiest way. Um, we have quite a few, so, uh, let's get to it. Uh, at Lotza Palaka, do you think Watsi worries about pros cracking standard too quickly and wants to dial back to Pro Tour testing crunch? And I'm going to add the second fish mill, which is kind of related, uh, from at Cam Turner uh, about how Wizards turned off the replays at Moto and no one can uh, do the number crunching anymore. What about crowdsourcing results for limited and standard to simulate a pro team? Huh. That would actually really be interesting. Like sort of like the the community's pro team that can I guess crowdsource. Yeah, basically I mean, instead of scraping moto, right? Just actually collect the results from everyone. Oh, that. So would both be of these questions awesome. have to do with how fast uh, the meta game is solved. So what do you guys yeah. think? Well, I don't think. I mean, I don't think you can really do anything about the the PT testing crunch. I mean, it's well within. The team, you know, the pros to team together and test like that, and I think that's why we get such interesting pro tours for the most part. I mean, we get, uh, you know, these really fine-tuned lists, and I don't, I don't really think they should crack back on that. Uh, as far as the the crowdsourcing, I think that would be phenomenal since if they're blocking all the uh, the data anyway, I feel like most of the players should have access to that information. So. If there was a way to do that and kind of simulate like a pro tour testing crunch and like get people those kind of results, I think that would be really beneficial, uh, contrary to what Wizards might feel about it. But uh, see, the, and the and the really thing the the reason I say that is because 
did they really like crack standard? Did they solve it? I mean, we're still seeing iteration even after the Pro Tour. Now that could just be a testament to they really designed and and these two block cadence. Now that we're kind of in that uh, that shift, maybe that's what we're seeing is that these two block cadences are working really well and standards really interesting. Uh, so I don't really think, I mean, that could change, but it doesn't seem like this standard was cracked because we're still seeing a lot of uh, innovation. Yeah. I think that like you mentioned with the new block cadence, I think that wizards is probably less concerned. I don't even know if they are concerned anyway about the pros actually cracking the format uh, right. Because even if someone does solve the format, rotation is always six months away and a new set is two months away. So everything's going to get uh, shaken up pretty quickly. I think it's more of them not liking data than it is them not liking people building good decks in a format. As far as the crowdsourcing, the data for testing, my main concern, I think it's a cool idea, but my main concern would be how reliable the data is. I remember reading over a Reddit thread that was attempting to crowdsource how often expeditions showed up in Battle for Zendikar. And <laughs> there were some very ridiculous posts in there like, oh, we had 20 people at my pre-release and we opened 10 expeditions. Or, oh, we had 400 people and no one opened an expedition. I was like, that. <laughs> I mean, maybe that happened, but that it seems rather unlikely. So I think maybe the better way to do it, if you could find a a committed team of 50 players that are playing moto all the time that would be willing to enter their results into a website after they finish their match that you really trusted instead of just having it be open to anyone who could potentially skew the data to spike the price of a card that they bought a lot of copies of or something like that. I think that could work, but I would be a little hesitant of just having it be completely open and crowdsourced because we have seen people attempt to manipulate the market or just do it for the fun of it because they don't have anything better to do as far as putting in false data to try to uh, skew the results. Yeah, that is a good concern. What do you think, Richard? Just to add to that, uh, so I, I don't, I mean, I can be really cynical and say, well, they did dial back pro tour testing by cutting platinum benefits. Oh. <laughs> but right. uh, no, no, I, I don't <laughs> think they care. I think they want this, right? As evidenced by uh, their their features where they actually go to the pro tour houses and show this off, right? This is actually a cool part of magic and they want this to happen. Um, so for the first part of the question, I think wizards doesn't care. They want the pros to solve it, to set the metagame going forward, but they know it will constantly evolve. So it's okay. Uh, for the second part about crowdsourcing, it does kind of happen today. I mean, that's what you're reading when you read Reddit threads about decks. If you go into our spikes or if you go to MTG salvation forums, People are posting their data uh, on matchups. Uh, you just don't have enough data. And to get enough data is going to require a lot more games than the pros are playing. Because when the pros are playing, you would assume they're playing optimally. So their results are pretty uh, trustworthy. But if you're just going to have random Joe Schmoes playing, you know, your, your deck may be favored, but you may not know how to play it. right? So you actually need a very large sample just to even out the skill level to kind of get an idea. Um, but I think it could work, but something tells me that Wizards doesn't want this to work, so they'll probably find some way to stop it from working. Uh, you know, with Moto, it's very easy for them to turn off, you know, the Moto access, but for other things, maybe they'll do some other routes, or maybe it'll just be so inefficient they don't care. Um, but I don't know, if someone wants to take up the challenge, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, 
I think we're all in agreement in that in that regard. Then. Yep. Uh, okay. From uh, at Geek No Evil, you guys hyped an Eternal format without reserveless cards called Eternal. Did the hype die down, or will EMA revive? Any specs? I think, I mean, the hype kind of died down. I think everyone kind of just, not that we hyped it, I think it would just be a great idea for people to, you know, get around and do. I think it needs to be championed by a lot of people rather than specific few. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, we kind of hyped it as a solution to some of the issues that were going on, but maybe the announcement that there's no more modern Pro Tour kind of alleviates that to stomachs to some extent because you're not worried about these huge roller coaster you know prices of modern i mean it's still going to happen sometimes there's going to be price spikes but it's not going to be like every other day there's something going on in the in the coming weeks to a pro tour uh so that kind of alleviates the issue and really the premise or a good you know amount of the premise as to why everyone i guess hyped up eternal was you know, modern was getting really expensive and people were like, well, I don't really know what to do. I mean, you know, there's the reserve list and those cards are going up because of EMA. Modern's already expensive. And then like, I, it's hard to get into legacy. So because of all the reserve list cards. So I still think it's a really great solution. I do think it would happen before them abolishing the reserve list or, or something like that. Uh, so I still really like the the idea of it, and maybe we'll revisit it, you know, once you know some of us have some more time to sit down, test some cards, and really see if the format can be viable in this uh, idea that we kind of thought up for it, uh, because it would take an, an extensive extensive amount of testing and just not a very you know not specific people, although uh, what was his name? Verhi, uh, I think. What was his name? That started off like the modern, uh, essentially was the spark for what, what, what uh, modern is today. Uh, yeah, Gavin Fairhead Gavin or something Fairhead, like that. Yeah. Gavin. So, I mean, if it takes a few dedicated people, I think some people will be up to the task. But, uh, you know, just a lot of things are happening. And hopefully people will have more time to sit down and, and do that. And and I think as far as I'm concerned with the eternal thing is it's a, it's a long-term thing. And there's... Yeah. The initial hype and idea of it has definitely died down, but there's no reason if you're interested in the format that you can't sit down with your friends and play it and test it and, uh, and play Eternal. Like That option is out there, but as far as Eternal ever being a legitimate format, that's something that would probably take several years if it ever even worked out. Like It's a, a long, slow process, and that's how it was with Modern as well. The idea of overextended was kind of this this fringe thing. And then over the course of several years, it got more hype and more people got involved with it. So I think we just don't know at this point, if the eternal idea will ever go anywhere or not, it's just way too early to tell, but I would encourage you to sit down and try it. If it's a format that interests you like put together a deck and, uh, yeah. and see how it goes. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing stopping anyone. I mean, there is a Reddit thread, uh, you know, subreddit, there are people talking about it. So if, if you just want to post results, if people just, keep posting results i mean i think that's very beneficial in and of itself uh to to go off what you were say, saying seth i mean there's no one stopping anyone from playing it in terms of specs i mean i, I don't even know if that's even like worth talking about at this point it's such a preliminary like 
stage. And I wouldn't want to sully the the format uh, by already speculating on it. I mean, I'd, I don't want it to turn into like a tiny leaders kind of thing where everyone kind of gets like a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, I think you guys hit it. Uh, I still go by my initial stance that no one really wants to play Legacy. I mean, obviously there are some, but majority of players don't want to play Legacy. And uh, Magic Online Legacy is a thing. There is yep. no reserve list, but no one's playing it. Yeah. So uh, when, when I see that number spike, then we know that people really want to be slinging Force of Wills. People really want their lands destroyed by Wastelands. Uh, but... I think the majority of players just don't don't want to get hit by these overpowered cards, right? It feels bad to get Force of Willed. It feels bad to get Wastelanded. Uh, so unless you're someone who's played Magic for a long time and are used to these things and look forward to these things, I don't know that Legacy would look that enticing to you. It's like, how would you like to play a game where you end up with no permanence and did nothing? Right? <laughs> it's like, uh... How would you like a game where you lost on late turn one? <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. so I, I don't know, but I guess we'll we'll see, right? With the new way modern uh, is being shaped with no modern pro tours, and as the game progresses, legacy will get more and more expensive. Uh, it'll be the community that decides whether this is a thing or not, right? Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I, I think that's the greatest point, Richard. Ultimately, it's for the community to decide if if the whole community can't get behind it and and they don't like it. I mean, it's never going to happen. Uh, at Drawholic. I have some singles from drafting. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I skipped one. Hold on. At Empty Car. Okay. Uh, took a year building abs and company. Now it's being called the best <laughs> deck. Uh, this is modern, by the way. Uh, should be great news, but I'm scared. Should I be? <laughs> no, I don't think you should be scared. And you should... No, yeah, you shouldn't be scared. Go enjoy your, your abs and company list. I mean, I don't think... Collected company or anything else is in that deck is on the immediate radar, even anywhere close to being on the radar for quite. I don't think you have to worry for a long time. Yeah, if I at mean, all. I mean, I don't. Yeah, there, I guess there's two good things. First off, as Chaz mentioned, I don't think those cards are on the radar for the ban list. Also, I'm not even sure how much of a radar there will be anymore with the pro tour being gone. Like, hmm. if there was still a pro tour, I would have some check or worry that man if this deck keeps winning maybe they'll just ban collected company for the heck of it because they don't want to see a lot of abs and company at the pro tour because that seems like that had happened but without the pro tour i wouldn't worry about that and the other thing is abs and company is kind of close to birthing pod which already got banned so a lot of the cards in your deck even if collected company got banned are probably still going to be all right because they survived birthing pod getting banned and morphed into collected company so they would probably survive some really oddball, unforeseen banning anyway, just because they're they're efficient and solid cards. Man, do you really think they would ever ban Collected Company? That just seems like crazy to me. So design space is being constricted because we can't print any three drops. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> but like, was it was it Collected Company? Like they're like, sorry, we rebanned. Birthing pod, here's like your new fair of birthing pod. Like, yeah, but I thought this was fair. They're not always good at making <laughs> fixed versions of cards. Do you remember Strip Mine and Wasteland? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember. <laughs> so, so I actually think Collected Company is very annoying to play against, and I'd take Splinter Twin any day of the week, right? Because Splinter Twin has a pretty kind of defined game plan where 
it's really hard to shut down collective company. Like everything is such value and everything, uh, they have all these silver bullets. So it's actually quite annoying to play against, but uh, because there's no modern pro tour, I don't think they need to shake up the format. They're not going to ban it yet. I don't think, uh, but it is certainly annoying. The more they, they have to print good creatures at like three converted mana cost or less, because otherwise you're not going to play them in modern and, you know, older formats. And eventually, this will just be a straight two-for-one. Like, any any two, three drops will be the best cards in your deck. And in that sense, I think it constricts the design space. So eventually, I think this will have to go. But for now, I think it's fine. I think we're a long ways off. But eventually, it'll just be straight up, look at the top six cards of your deck, take two, put them into play, and those cards are probably pretty good. So <laughs> I mean, it's already, it's already at that point now. For, it's, pretty, it's pretty close. Yeah, but as they put everything on creatures, like we don't have any worthwhile spells anymore. Everything is stapled onto a creature. So collected yeah. company will just be a straight up like double demonic tutor eventually. Yeah. Oh, you're looking at like legitimately like four collected company could be the only spells in your deck. Yeah, because like everything is all creatures now are so resilient to Doomblade. They come with Doomblades on them, right? <laughs> yeah. So and you need them well costed, otherwise people won't play them. So eventually, all the yeah. best cards will be, you know, stuff like this, right? Yeah, and, and and maybe I mean we've seen it before. I mean now creatures are planeswalkers, so <laughs> yeah. how much better do they have to get? I mean they're already getting pretty insane. Yeah, I mean look at Liliana, heretical hero. I mean that that card's nuts. Uh, okay, so back to at Draholic, uh, the one that I was trying to read earlier. I have some singles from drafting. Should I sell them to my local game store, eBay, or use Buka Trade? What gets the best value? Oh, I, it's so hard to say without knowing yeah. more specific. What, yeah, of I what know you have. Like, what specifically you have and how much of it. Some singles from drafting. And it also really depends on your local gaming store. I've heard of yeah. local gaming stores that pay buy list prices that are competitive with the big vendors on the internet. Then I've heard some yeah. that pay like 40% or something pretty lacking so it depends on how much you get from your local gaming store as well yeah this, this is how i would break it down like if you go to your lgs often and you like drafting or you know you just go there and you pull something i'll just use like since you're saying like some singles i'll just say like an avison right if you pull an avison and you go there a lot i would probably trade it in for store credit and you can continue drafting for a while i mean that buys you like what 10 drafts or something like that so you'll be pretty good in like the drafting department. You'll probably you might even open up another app and you can pretty much just keep chaining, you know, drafts together for like months. So I, I think that's a pretty good uh you know uh, standpoint if you need money or if you you know wanna just you don't care about drafting or you don't you only go sometimes, uh I would look to shipping them on eBay. Or if you need something for your EDH deck, I mean, you could pretty much just sell it on eBay anyway, use the cash, buy something else. But I guess Puka Trade gives you the best bang for your buck in terms of value because it's like a trade. So it's giving you like the fullest market value. Uh, you could go in that route. But I mean, eBay, Puka Trade are pretty much the same thing. I mean, you could just use the cash that you get from eBay and buy something else, although you'll be getting some fees. So I guess that's where you'd, you'd want Puka Trade. Except eBay actually does what they say. What do you mean? <laughs> oh. oh, oh, 
Sorry, oh, sorry, man. I couldn't resist. Oh, okay. I see what's going on. <laughs> Where's, why can't I sell my Magic Online cards for paper cards, Puka Trade? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so TLDR, you actually have the cards you want to sell. You can actually just look at the price you'll get from each of these three sources, and you can determine what they are. But what yeah. Chaz said is the general trend for most cards. Yeah. Um, at Vite One. If Watsi released the top 20 Pro Tour decks as a non-redeemable item around $30 on Magic Online, would this be viable? Oh, man. That would be... That would be like a game changer, I think. Oh, Lord. Well, they are sort of, kind of doing that with the Pro Tour Gauntlet for a limited limited time only. You get to play with those decks for a cheap price. I think it, for me, it always comes back to the way Magic Online is set up and the redemption yeah. system and just everything that is Magic Online right now. And I don't think, I think the problem is if you could buy Pro Tour decks for 30 bucks and play them forever, even if you couldn't trade them, that would end up cannibalizing the system that is now and sending shockwaves through the entire system. Like, why would you spend uh, $300 to buy that deck? if you could get it for $30. So I think it would have some major impacts on the economy and on redemption and on just the whole system. So I, I'm not sure if that would work. I'm sure it would be good for players, I guess. Uh, but I'm not, <laughs> cool. yeah. I'm not sure what it would do to the economy. So I think for right now, it's likely that the gauntlets are about as good as it's going to get if you want to play Pro Tour decks uh, without putting out to buy the actual cards. Huh. Well, let me let me actually ask a question off that. I mean, that's a really good question. I'll let you chime in, Richard, because you're you're mostly on on Moto too. I, I know it would kind of damage the economy. Uh, it's not redeemable, so I don't know how that it kind of affects that. But what if it was? So two questions. What if they made the the Pro Tour deck uh, gauntlet? longer like if they made it longer the time period not like uh, how, how long is it now like two weeks or something like that yeah it might just be one week actually but yeah oh man what if they increased that you know uh but wait 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 so is it set up that you can only like battle other pro tour like gauntlet decks you get a random deck and then oh, okay. you battle other people with their random decks okay so that all right so that's not where where i'm going okay so what if they have that. All right. So just the question that this person asked, but it's more than thirty dollars. Let's say one hundred and fifty bucks, something well, like that. Hundred buy the deck. Yeah, <laughs> still just buy the deck, right? But would it be, would it be better? I mean, is thirty dollars just like too cheap? I mean, what if it was? Well, I, uh, I think the thing is then, if you're financially savvy at all you'll just buy the deck and then resell it because the spread is so low on magic online if you had to spend a hundred dollars you would cost yourself a ton of money to to buy a fake deck that you can't trade uh, opposed to buying the real deck playing it for a week and just reselling it okay okay I, i got you uh, so I don't, maybe there is a price point. I guess you could probably, like, if you analyzed it enough, find a price point where the cost is enough that n- everyone's just not going to buy these fake decks and the whole economy will crash, but also slow enough that some people would find it worthwhile to do it that way rather than spending more for a real deck. But I have no idea what that price point would be. 
what if you get like a ticket and every Pro Tour Gauntlet you get like one redeemable deck? So you can't just buy every single deck for thirty bucks or whatever. Uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. Just just to have people like just to draw them in. Or maybe maybe it could just be a promotional like a couple times, you know, every now and then. I don't know. And I think and the- I, I mean I just really like the idea. That's just me personally. I don't know if it I, it could actually work. I just kind of want to have expanded on it a little bit. And the thing you got to remember too is because of redemption, Magic Online prices are tied to paper prices. Yeah. So it it not yeah. only could throw the Magic Online economy out of whack, but it could have an impact on paper prices as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking kind of about renting decks or non redeemable cards or things like that, and. I agree with Seth that it'll kind of just screw up the whole Magic Online yeah, economy. Yeah, it probably would. And yeah. I think Wizards has kind of gotten their the the fix with the Pro Tour Gauntlet. Like it's you're not guaranteed to play the deck you want, so you can't just rely on this to play. Uh, there's some level of randomness, but uh, you know you get to play the cool decks, right? And it doesn't affect the economy. So I think the Pro Tour Gauntlet's kind of their answer to this. I would like to see a reroll option. Uh, you know, there's like 20 decks. Uh, I may not yeah. want to play Burned right or seasons pass or whatever at least give me like one re-roll or do the do the hearthstone thing where you get three and you choose one yeah do do the quest thing or you can do the league yeah. thing where like every time you play a game you get some or play points or something like not play points but like mini play points that you accumulate you can use that to re-roll or maybe just straight up pay pay points to re-roll right like here we're like two play points re-roll right uh yeah but, just just a way to control the randomness a, a, a bit better. But if they allowed you to choose whatever deck you want, why would you ever buy a deck again? You would True. just do this and play to your heart's content, and then uh, the economy is going to get all out of whack. True. I, kind of along the same lines, people like to talk about a subscription-based Magic Online uh, where you would pay so much per month and have access to all of the cards basically oh, man. Phantom but you cards. can't redeem anything right everything would be phantom and oh. you probably still have to pay entry fees for events if you're going to win prizes in those events what would that cost though do you guys have any idea like i keep hearing people like say oh 15 bucks a month 20 bucks a month when you consider that one draft is 14 dollars, like wouldn't wizards have to charge hundreds of dollars a month to make up the amount of money they're making now if they went to a subscription model because we know Wizards honestly is- i i think they would i think that it would be a net benefit from them wouldn't they do, do they really get a lot of the income that's uh like back i mean isn't it all just soaked up by bot chains i mean they don't really get money on like individual transactions do they, they? they straight up no like for um entering events and stuff they, they get the money because oh that they, yeah that they do and like redemption fees and stuff like that 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 they get but essentially this would be like a locked in another rep i mean because they'd be still getting that they don't get the individual transactions it's not like you buy the card you don't buy the cards directly from wizards right but the money you would spend buying cards would now be going towards your subscription fee Right, and there right. would no, there would be no more bots. So wizards would be right. making all of the money. So they may make yeah, less money overall, but it's all going to them, as yeah. opposed to being split with all the bots. Well, and you obviously couldn't charge the same price. Like if you're paying a subscription fee, 
for phantom cards, it would be hard to charge people fifteen, $14 to do a draft. Like you'd have to cut the costs of entering yeah. events. Cause like, that's why it's justifiable to pay some of those prices is you get real cards worth real money. If they take that out and everything was phantom, they'd have to cut back on those prices quite a bit. Well, I would there, there shouldn't right. be events at all, right? Like why would there be events at this point? Right. You would just, it'd be like, wow, right. You pay your subscription fee and you play as much as you want. Right. And you know, you, you shouldn't be limited by how much money you can, you know, you're basically you're like bankroll for events, right? Because I, I think actually the events part is the more expensive part than the deck part, right? Like if you're not a good magic player, if you're not LSV, you're not going to go infinite in your events. You're going to be losing, you know, a little bit of money on every event, which if you play enough magic online, that will far exceed your, your deck price, right? But, but so it's got to be all would... in, I think. But then yeah. would there just be no prizes? Like, would it just be, like, playing for fun? Like, you're playing a casual game? For me, that would take away a lot of the appeal if doing well didn't earn you anything. Well, no, because doing well gets you rank one legendary, right? And you get to put it on your stream and show that you're, you know, like every other game in existence, right? Oh, I'm platinum, I'm gold, I'm bronze, I'm silver. Because right now your prizes kind of just give you enough money to keep playing. Like, do you, like, the only right, reason you 5 0 right. a league is to get more prizes so you have more money to keep playing, not because I feel good. Right. You turn around and, and add those to your deck. Like, you're, you're pretty much just keeping yourself in just to keep up with the. Yeah. Like, you're, you're trying not to go negative. You're either trying to yeah. get infinite or break even, which is why you want to win, not necessarily to brag to your friends. I mean, some people do, right? But I don't message you and say, hey, I went 4-1 in this league. Yes. <laughs> right? It's like, yay, you know, I, I paid for another draft. Well, but Wizards took all that out of Modo not that long ago. There was rankings and the, the wall of fame or whatever it was. You could see people's ratings and Wizards, I guess, decided that <laughs> it, there was too many feel-bads for new players so they got well, rid of any ranking system because they didn't want people to feel like, oh, I'm not good enough to have this rating or be on the wall of fame or whatever. Well, Why would they do I, that? I every other game it, uses this. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's because you have to pay for everything, right? Like, not on top of that, like I'm paying for all this and I still suck. Like, <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm serious. Like, if you're a new player, like, oh, I just like bought all this stuff and I'm like still not good. Like, my rating sucks. Like. Yeah. If you have all the cards that might not it, it'll give you more it'll it'll take the the feel bads out of trying to like buy this like insurmountable like deck and trying to just keep up just to keep going in events taking all that out I have all the cards I can make a deck it gives me more of an incentive to just keep playing rather than worry about uh fiving o and uh you know trying to build all these decks yeah I totally agree. Like every other game has this right like, system, like StarCraft, League of Legends. Like you, you want to show everyone, hey, I'm platinum, or hey, I'm challenger. You know, right. I'm right below the pro level. All the pros would be stacked at the top, and you can see how you rank against them. Today, it's like I don't know. I just beat some five zero league with some people, but I don't know if that yeah, was exactly. or not. Right? Like the progression is the points, right? Just like you know, Xbox achievement points, you know, whatever, right? Like, it's just this fake currency you get. Right, and if this way you do a matchmaking, your your rank, it'll put you in a draft with people similar to your rank. It is right? funny. I mean, it seems like Magic Online 
tends to zig when everyone else zags. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- like, yeah, exactly. No matter what, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, that's, uh, that's a really good, I mean, I haven't even thought of that. I mean, I guess this is something that has been discussed. I mean, I don't, I haven't been privy to this because I don't usually use Magic the Gathering online as often, but I, I think a subscription fee might, might be a pretty good idea. I mean, the big problem with that is, <clears throat> I think it's a an interesting idea. The big problem is, what do you do with everyone that has ten thousand dollars invested yeah. for the past fifteen years? Like, yeah, what do you do for those people? Like that, the legacy costs. That's the that's the problem that they right. would have to figure out. Hey, Seth, would you like seven thousand play points? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, we've given was, you an extra avatar for, for your black lotus don't worry <laughs> I, I was thinking about this because i've had this discussion yeah. with a few people and i don't know if it would work or if the prices would crash but one possibility that wouldn't i guess it would take money away from vendors and card stores but they could potentially pay people for their accounts with promos in re- paper promos like judge that promos. would be kind of interesting and then yeah. they're not taking yeah. money out of their actual cash money out of their pocket but you have this much in magic online cards here you get a play set of judge force of wills and a couple of this to like help even that out if yeah not just terrible, right checks. like if i have three thousand dollars in moto don't give me three thousand dollars of cardboard right because a it's not going to stay like that but it's like it's like judges being paid in booster boxes, right? Like, why? Just like, if you're gonna give me some equivalent of money, then just give me the money instead of making me jump through hoops and try to sell it and recoup my prices, right? Yeah, but, but I mean, I think that might be like the. I mean, they're not gonna write you a check for three thousand dollars. I mean, that, as as great as that would be, I, I doubt that's gonna happen. I mean, I think realistically, they'll give you like you have eight years of Moto subscription now. I'm like. I guess, even though I don't plan on playing Moto for eight years, but what else are you going to do, right? Like You're right, Seth. I mean, that that is a big issue. I mean, I think that would be a step to solving that issue. I mean, what else really can you do? I mean, obviously, ideally, they would just cut everyone a check, but I can't they imagine like Wizards doing that, uh, and they won't acknowledge the secondary market and that these cards have value anyway, although... Uh, that whole Zach Jesse thing when they banned him from Magic Online, they actually did cut him a check for the market value of his account. So there is hmm. some precedent in Wizards paying people actual real money for their Magic Online accounts. The Maybe other... they go ahead. No, yeah, keep keep going, keep going. Yeah. The other thing to consider is I know players that have ten thousand in Magic Online. I might have four or five thousand in Magic Online. There are bots that have literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in magic online cards so that's the other consideration is these people that have been kind of supporting the game for so long it would feel really bad to just uh i don't know give them 10 lifetimes of magic online subscriptions and be like oh sorry you're out 400 grand like that's a that's real money yeah maybe they cut you a percentage um i don't know what kind of percentage it would be but and then make up the difference with like free sub it could do yeah. that i don't know just just so you're not completely out of your cash like the cash like value of your cards and then you still get like uh two years or whatever 
Because that's the sticking point. Like, if they solve that problem in a way that doesn't make everyone leave Magic Online, all the old-time players, they can have a cheaper Magic Online that isn't tied to Redemption and paper prices. That's the Magic Online that can be successful and compete with Hearthstone. Yeah. But but they have to solve this this legacy cost problem to move forward with that. Yeah. Yeah. So almost assuredly, like, 99% sure that if they were going to do this, this is what would happen. They would move to a Hearthstone model. They would not move yep. to subscription because they make most of their money on whales, which are people that spend an insane amount of money. Like, for every 10 free-to-play players you have, you have one person that spends, like, $10,000 for some reason. And those <laughs> are the people that they make money off of. And same with Magic, right? For every $20 FNM budget person, there's, like, me strolling with my legacy deck, right? Yeah. So, yeah. They they need to take advantage of that. Subscription doesn't. So it'll be like Hearthstone. And what they'll basically do is switch over and you're going to get like 40,000 gold, right? Which you can use to buy boosters in the future that probably won't be tradable. And it'll just be like getting 40,000 packs or something like that. And I bet you they'll just do something like that. That would be the easiest way. And, you know, since since gold can be purchased or will be able to be purchased, they can actually put a monetary value on that and they can do the translation pretty well, right? Like your moto collection was worth $5,000. We just gave you $5,000 of our digital currency. Here you go, right? Hope you like the new platform. So I believe that would be the best way. And, you know, they would actually have ways to explain things legally. Like we took 5,000 from this account and we gave you 5,000 on this account. You're all good, whatever. So I think that's how they would do it. And, Hearthstone has shown this this model to be very viable. You see people cracking hundreds of dollars of packs all the time for no reason uh, on stream. So I think they would do this rather than like a WoW-based subscription model because that I don't know that they'd make enough money from. Man, that's still kind of rough though because you're you're turning real money. Like I could actually sell my account for X amount of thousands of dollars, but that would all of a sudden turn into fake money and what about the bots that have hundreds of thousands well the bots are just screwed like even (laughs) if you don't count their inventory like these people run businesses they make money every year right this business is now gone right so forget what they're having in their account you know like the money they they've been making the last five ten years they're not going to make that for the next five ten years They, they just became unemployed basically and not to not to be like a downer here and like sound the sirens like but like for people to like mass exodus but i mean if there was like an exodus i I, like if if even people like would like oh i'm gonna walk i'm I'm not playing this game anymore blah 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 mtgo my my bot chain or whatever or my you know mtgo accounts like worthless or whatever buy i wouldn't that be like a minute percentage of players still uh i don't think a lot of people play moto but not every single person would be like, all right, peace, like my business is gone. Like Well, I think I think I think the community at large would get it too, like the pay the pros thing, because yeah. it's it would be similar to yeah. Wizards all of a sudden somehow making it illegal for you to sell or trade your paper collection. Like you can still play with these cards. We're well, glad you have them, but if you sell or trade them, you're we're gonna come and burn your whole collection to into into ashes. And all of a sudden, something you've been collecting and buying under an expectation of that having real value. Like, oh, I can spend this money on Magic cards because if I need to buy a car someday, I can sell my Legacy deck and get a car payment. 
uh, and just have that to- that promise, even though it's not a true promise, but that expectation all of a sudden be shattered. I think that even people that aren't heavily invested with Moto would yeah. see that as a big breach of trust from Wizards. Well, I mean, isn't it? Aren't you like kind of at at the end of the day jumping through hoops to? get all of this value extracted from moto like if you were if you have a five thousand dollar collection right maybe i'm wrong now if i'm wrong that's fine but like if you have all these individual cards right you have like an avison or whatever five four avisons or whatever you now have to complete every single set to just get that avison right you can't just like well you don't do it directly right you basically sell your collection to the bots and the bots buy them and they're the ones that redeem everything altogether like card hoarder or mtgo traders i think last time i checked my account might be worth forty five hundred dollars i could with a click of a button send them a dot deck file of my entire collection they would send me an email a few hours later saying we'll pay you four thousand dollars for your collection uh take my cards and send me a wire transfer or whatever send me a check or paypal for four thousand dollars like it's that it's even as easier i guess than cashing out on paper to to a large extent Okay. Yeah, and the reason they do this is so that they then turn around and cash out the standard cards, right? Like, right. Okay. Most when you go to a GP and people have all their standard inventory there, a lot of it is redeemed from Moto, right? If you ever like see people's Twitter feeds where they like redeem like fifty sets at once, and they're like, "Hey, wizards, your thing doesn't even work for fifty sets," right? It's like <laughs> these are the vendors that they're they're actually trying to get paper inventory, and it's much easier to do that than cracking packs. Because yeah. cracking packs actually takes a lot of time, and uh, there's less value in that than just straight up buying redeem sets from Odo. But having said all of this, then probably nothing's going to happen, right? It's no, so complicated. No, I think no, they're I mean, actually going to... If it to... was going to happen, they would have to sit down with a lot of people and, and try to compensate people. Because... Yeah, I, I would actually think their next platform is just the same Moto economy. Like, just trying to get out of this, like, they're kind of stuck in here. Trying to get out of it yeah. is so, so I, I honestly think it would be better for them long-term to cut people checks or whatever and, and essentially buy out people of MTGO and just move to a new platform. Just like you said, Richard. But this like, is the this... company that's cutting coverage. You think they're going to say, <laughs> oh, I mean, it... let's just spend $10 million and give the players back their money, <laughs> right? Like... Right. Well then, well, then, again, I mean, then we're just – we're just going to be caught in this loop. I mean, it depends on if they're okay with that or not. Yeah, like, I don't and, think the moto economy is intrinsically bad. It's really, like, the no, UI, but it, the gameplay. So the fact that you have it, to buy cards online isn't the end of the world, I don't think. No, it's not. But it, it does keep it from being, like, that intuitive, like, Hearthstone type of easy, you know, easy-to-understand client kind of thing. And... The other reason I don't worry about it is Magic Online has shown one thing consistently over its history, and it takes a long time for anything to happen. So they're talking about new clients, but I'm expecting that to be like several years before there's actually a new client that is being oh, played. Well, yeah, yeah. It took like I mean, four just years for, to get leagues, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just for just for like development purposes. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about any big changes. No, no, no. This year, next year, maybe in 2020 or something, we'll have a new Magic Online. Uh, I don't know, client or something. But so I wouldn't worry about your collection right now. <laughs> we have iPad support, guys. It's like the iPad doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
Well, I think we answered every question, and I think that's a really good place to end the 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 cast for this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about everything we really wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be the crew signing out for this week. Uh, we will do this again next time, and this is going to be the crew signing out. <laughs>